Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with Joey. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Sidewalk Talk. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So, you were born in Chicago? Born and raised in Chicago, um, in the city originally, so Lincoln Park. Yeah. And then my family moved to the northern suburbs. So I went to high school in Winneka, um, in New Trier High School. Were you always fascinated by music? I always loved music. I played in bands in high school, um, a reggae ska band. I was a bass player. I took it upon myself to manage the band. So I would like figure out how to record our CD and book us on shows. Whatever we did as like a DIY ska band back in the day, I kind of handled the the business for it, and that led me to want to apply to music industry programs for college. Oh. So that sent me to Syracuse in yeah. a music industry program. Did you kind of always know that you wanted to have a career in music? Um, I definitely caught the bug in high school. And I knew I wanted to work in the music industry in some capacity, but I wasn't really sure whether that was work for a record label or be a booking agent or be a promoter. I had no idea. I just knew I wanted to be in the business. And the, uh, the program I went to at Syracuse, the band year program, was really great for just helping me get internships in a bunch of different areas of the business. So I interned at a recording studio one summer, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a record producer. I just can't sit in a studio for 12 hours. It didn't work for me. Um, and I worked for a publishing company, and that was cool, learning that world. I interned for Sony ATV, but just didn't feel like the right fit. And I started managing Lewis Child when I was a senior at Syracuse. Um, and I, I really liked, you know, all that and, and building it up from the ground up. Mm-hmm. What do your parents do? So my dad trades stock options, um, and my mom worked in uh, finance for a little bit, but she um, she just kind of raised. I'm the oldest of five kids, oh, wow. so she, we have a huge family. So once uh, she had me, she's been full time mom, and taking care of our crew is is a full time job for her. So you didn't really have anyone around you who was working music for you to like someone who could mentor you or like you to ask like advice no I mean that's why the uh the music industry program was so helpful um one of my best friends from back home who played drums in our band his dad had a a company called Monk Mix and they they recorded jam bands um like big music festivals and sold the CDs to fans and so he was kind of like the only family friend that worked in music uh, he wrote, and I, I like interned for him for a bit, and he wrote a, a letter of recommendation for college for me, which was very helpful in getting in the program and all that. So what did you learn from the program? Um, I mean, the classes were everything from copyright law and communications law to, uh, there was like learning about emerging technologies, and then just basic, and we took accounting classes and all the kind of like liberal arts you know it's like a liberal arts curriculum 
with music industry focus, but the cool thing about the program was that when um, they would have opportunities, like I did a semester in Los Angeles, and so I went to school in Syracuse, New York, which is like really cold Northeast, and I, I did a semester in Los Angeles where I interned for an entertainment lawyer named Eric German at the law firm Mitchell, Silverberg and & Nupp, and that's what got me fascinated by you know, the idea of being an entertainment attorney. So for a long time, let's say my like second last year of college, I would, if you asked me what I was gonna do, I said I wanted to practice entertainment law and that's why I mm. applied to law school after college. Yeah, so do you recommend people like going to a music program and like studying if they wanna be like mentors or what kind of education or like tool set would you say? I mean, I know plenty of, you know, very successful managers that weren't in music industry programs. Um, some of the most successful managers I know dropped out of college or, you know, um, studied nothing in relation to, to music industry. So I don't think it's essential at all, but it definitely can, if you're at the right music industry program, at the right school, it can give you a much wider net of connections. I'd say the most valuable thing I have from school was like the network I made I work with so many Syracuse alums. Mm. There's a lot of Syracuse alums in the music business, just like there's a bunch of you know USC alums. Um, so that can be, you know, more valuable than anything. Just having that base of people because you know my parents didn't work in music. None of no one in my family worked in entertainment. So you know it was like a really kind of new world for me to uh, to learn. I didn't grow up in it. Mm -hmm. So how did you actually meet them? Like so, so I um, met Freddie and Robbie when I was a senior at Syracuse. I think Freddie was 15 at the time. Um, Robbie was 16. And my younger brother had, like, passed me along their SoundCloud links when they had, like, a few songs, maybe a remix on the Internet. But it was just very, like, early days. They were actually demos, so he... They were like unreleased songs. He sent me private SoundCloud links, and um, their sound at that time was very like electro pop, kind of, you know, almost like Maddion Porter um, sound to it. Definitely different than the sound they have now. Um, but I just thought they had tons of like raw producer talent, and they could make really good music. And that's the most, you know. As a manager, you can do, most managers do a lot of things except make the music, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's the fundamentals. Your client has to be incredible at making music. And so I just reached out to the guys. I'm like, hey, I've had these internships and some experience in the music industry. Um, I want to manage you guys. And they said yes. And it's been, I think, five and a half years now or something yeah. like that. I've been managing them. So it's been a, it's been a good run. And they've... Uh, you know, everything's great. Their their music is streaming better so than it ever has right now. Yeah. And, uh, their fall tour just went on sale. Just we're still in pre-sales right now, but um, it's all 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 sales are way way ahead of where they were last year. So mm. everything's going great for those guys. So before you found them, were you like actively thinking that you wanted to manage someone, and it just clicked you to manage them? About to graduate school, I had no idea what I was gonna do. You know. I kind of thought I wanted to go to law school, but it was just an opportunity where um, 
you know, I, I really didn't consider management as a career until I heard the guys and, and saw an opportunity to manage someone great. So I it was the kind of thing where once I heard the music and kind of learned a little bit more about them and, you know, started, it was, it was not only did they have such great music, but they were so young. So you could kind of see that there's a ton of potential to develop into a really big artist. Um, so I would say just, just hearing the music and being excited by it kind of led me to get into management. Was the, like, going to law school kind of like a plan B if, like, managing didn't work out? Or was it, like, why did you still go? Or Yeah, I guess I still went because it wasn't, I wasn't sure that it would, you know, be a career, be a way to, like, put food on the table. Um, I mean, it took years to kind of build up, you know, any revenue stream with those guys and, and it was a lot of, you know, a lot of like pro bono kind of work for free in the early days, uh, just at the chance that something would happen down the line. So law school was kind of like a, it was like a plan B. Um, my heart was always like, even from the first day of law school, my, my head was always in management and I knew that's what I wanted to do. But you don't really, you know, I mean, we didn't have a, when I, started law school like Lewis Schaub didn't have a booking agent we weren't doing any meaningful shows um once I started school things started to we put out it's strange and and the heat kind of picked up a bit after that what was the marketing for that or like how did that blow up um I'd say it had a a bit of kind of like a viral approach so I I knew Brayden um who does next wave records and sent him the song he loved it I was chatting with K-Plays manager Seth, um, and we just, you know, Braden brought us this really co cool opportunity. He said, hey, I, I know this person's singing songs, and I think we could get this in FIFA. So we decided to put it out in Next Wave. The song was in FIFA 16, I believe. Um, so that helped, and then Taylor Swift, like, randomly found the song and posted it on her Instagram, yeah. and then it, it, the thing that kind of took on a life of its own and, and became a, a breakout record for the guys and was their biggest song to date until uh, this most, one of their most recent releases, Better Not, with yeah. Lafia, which is now their, their best performing song to date. Was it difficult juggling school and managing them? It was a lot of um, late nights in the library, for sure. I mean, it, it, it wasn't easy. Um, I, instead of like doing internships at law firms while I was in school, I just kind of took the summers off to fully focus on management, mm -hmm. which was nice. But, you know, like in the early days, the, the management was, there was, you know, less stuff was going on. So there were less things to do. Um, and then the workload just kind of like kept picking up and picking up as the guys got bigger to the point where now it's like, you know, that's emailing from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, that's just kind of the progression of things. And, and now it's like, you know, on the management side, um, I have a team around me, which is helpful. But, you know, the guys are at the point now where they need more than just, you know, one person to help with the operations of the business. How were you, like, networking or meeting people? Because you were in college, right? You weren't in, like, a big city or anything or in a music area. Um... In law school, you mean? Yeah. Like, so, was it just, like, you 
hitting up people randomly online because you weren't like in LA back then. Yeah, so I, I guess um, I, I made a choice, and a lot of this was because Lewis the Child was based and living in Chicago. I made a choice to go to law school in Chicago. Mm. I got into some better ranked law schools, um, like University of Minnesota and some other Big Ten schools, but I didn't want to go to college in Minneapolis or like in Urbana or you know in the cornfields of the Midwest I decided to go to um, Chicago Kent College of Law which is like right smack dab in the middle of the city and you know I'm a big advocate I don't think any like aspiring manager young manager needs to be in LA to manage a band I mean everything is so connected with the internet now that you know, I was talking, I was hopping on the phone with people who were based in New York or L.A. or whatever. And Chicago's actually got a great creative scene. I mean, there's so much cool stuff happening there um, on the music side with, you know, right now everything that Chance has done. And, you know, we watched big electronic acts like Flostradamus and Cruella come out of Chicago. So, you know, we were kind of like, why not us? Why, why can't we be next? Yeah. Was electronic music always your thing? I would say I got into it in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely into rock and roll and jam bands in high school. And then I started, I would say, you know, Skrillex um, put out his EP and that. I was like, whoa, what is what is this? And got into like Rusko and Caspa. Um, I was like throwing throwing parties at college and kind of saw how like everyone was just really into electronic dance music. It just seemed to come out of nowhere and yeah. you know in high school it was like people were into rock bands or or hip hop and then in college it's like all of a sudden everyone and everyone's cousin is listening to you know techno and and EDM. Mm-hmm. And then how did you start managing Ethan? Um, so Dan found Wheaton originally and he's like hey um, I found this amazing producer but he's 15, I think he was 15 at the time again or 16 but he's 16 from Chicago you want to manage him with me and uh, I was in law school at the time and I met Ethan we did like a photo shoot uh, a few weeks later and you know now I've, I've been managing him for a few years as well mm-hmm. what's going on right now coming up on three years with him so he's uh yeah he's had a really cool run um we just put out the song with a wonder and then his next record is with tom morello and portugal the man which is really cool setting that release up because growing up like rage against the machine was my favorite band and tom morello the guitar player from that band was just one of my you know all-time favorite guitar players and so now Ethan's like on yeah. a song with him that comes out next so cool. month um, and so that's really exciting. So this is just kind of like me being curious because I interviewed like Phineas who's Billie Eilish's brother who oh, does yeah, everything sure. with him yeah, and I was like awesome. why don't you guys like be a duo and he explained like it's harder to market a duo so then sure. from your experience what is it like marketing Louis the Child compared to like Ethan? Sure I mean um, I think just every artist is, is different, every artist project, and it's definitely true that like in today's day and age, it's not 
just about the music. You know, you need the brand, you need the social presence. I always talk about like, you know, building an artist is you need to build brand equity. You need to build a valuable brand. Um, so I, I mean, I approach it pretty much the same way with, for, for everything. It's like, start with the music and how can we come up with cool marketing plans and marketing concepts around the music and do things, you know, at, at first in the early days with both Lewis the Child and Wheat then, it was like, we're just trying to get on as many blogs as we can and go number one on Hype Machine. And now it's evolved to like, okay, you know, for the last, for Lewis Child's Better Not, we did a, a global Snapchat filter, a Snapchat lens. So yeah. like every, and that got 12 million impressions overnight. And um, we did the same thing for Wheaton Super Love. Super Love, yeah, he was showing it to um, me when I was interviewing him. <laughs> so, you know, things like that are just really, you know, they're, they're different ways to get in touch with people and to market your music and it can help cut through the noise because everyone has a million things in their Twitter feed every day. Yeah. And how did you get them to sign out like record deals? Um, you know, that was kind of a lot of networking and uh, just building the brand independently and, and gaining that interest. So, you know, with Lewis, we put out probably like 30, 30 records online, um, like 30 free remixes just to kind of build a lot of follow to download stuff and just to kind of build the um, build the following, you know, to get fans. We're mm -hmm. like, okay, if, if you'll follow us or whatever, we'll give you a free download of a song. Um, and that stuff was huge. And, and same thing with, with Ethan, and they reached a critical mass where, you know, a bunch of major labels were, were interested in what they were doing. And so, yeah, Ethan's um, signed to Atlantic Records, who've been an excellent partner for him and Lewis Childs with Interscope. Um, and they're just a, you know, an amazing partner. And it's awesome working with major labels because they have so many different departments and so many different um, resources to tap into. It can really help make a difference in, in you know, marketing a record. How did you realize the timing was right? Like, could you have like waited a bit longer when they increased in like, like more fans or like value I don't know yeah I mean it's it's uh can't dive into like the specifics of individual deals too much but it's um it, you kind of I guess my advice to like young managers and artists is you want to have some sort of critical mass where you have like negotiating power you know if you're completely unknown and you have no music out there you know, it might be hard to negotiate the right deal at favorable terms. If you can build the brand independently on your own, um, you can a lot of times negotiate more favorable terms down the line if you already have a, a brand developed. Mm -hmm. And then how did you meet Peter? So Peter and I are both from Chicago. We both played hockey together when we were really young. and. Um, we actually worked on an independent record label together in college with Dr. Fresh, oh. um, who Peter manages. And we worked on this record label called Prep School Recordings. And Prep School Recordings, when we look back on it, signed um, an early Millennium EP, an early Lewis Child EP, uh, sun, early Sunburn Records. Like, there's a lot of people that. Uh, we signed at that label that have gone on to have, you know, big careers in electronic music. And so we, we worked together on that and then just stayed 
close in school. Um, and then, you know, I kind of made the choice as a manager that I wanted to build a, a bigger company and, you know, put, you know, have more resources and people around me, but I also um, made a decision that I, I still wanted to stay independent and, and not work for someone else's company. So Peter, you know, I, I had Prospect Artists. That was my management company while I was in law school. And then in February of this year, Peter and I started um, Keel and we launched that brand in February. Peter was formerly at Roar and um, he brought his existing client roster with him and I brought my existing client roster with him. Um, and now we have four full-time employees at Keel Artist Management, which is based in Culver City. Mm -hmm. And how do their responsibilities like divide? Sure, so um, Peter and I each have you know, day-to-day -day managers that we work closely with, so um, Matt Carlucci helps with a bunch of day-to-day -day stuff on um, guys I work on, and Peter has Mike Ehrlich, who's a Syracuse alum who works on a bunch of his clients. And, you know, but it's all, what's nice is like sharing an office with everything, everyone. It's great you get a second opinion on things and um, everyone's kind of like resources and, and, ro and Rolodex is shared. So it just expands your network, expands your connections, which is really helpful for management. So are you working with Yami too now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've yeah. been managing Josh a um, little bit over a year now. So, oh, okay. Yeah, he left uh, Flostradamus and then we started working together probably six, eight months after that. Yeah, I think I actually maybe asked him that in the interview that I did <laughs> with him, like, who's for management now? Like, what? Cool. <laughs> anyway, who are the other artists that you do now? Um, so, I personally work on Lewis Child, Wheat Thin, Yami yeah, Too, Win and Woo, and um, the newest client of the company, Audient, mm -hmm. is a really awesome Grammy-nominated producer yeah. um, who we've been working with um, since, I think, April or May of, of uh, this year. So, yeah, he's, he's awesome. Nate's a great guy. Really excited for all his upcoming music and, and just his, his plans for mm -hmm. his brand. Were you the ones who, like, approached them, or how did it work? Um, you know, Matt uh, at the company was really instrumental and kind of the key person um, who brought Audion on board and so you know it's it's everything's at this point now kind of like a conversation with with everyone at the company um, it's nice having like a few different people to strategize with and plan with and and you know so if we're ever kind of thinking about signing a new client it's always you know uh, a team effort. Mm -hmm. Is that your goal now to like expand your portfolio of clients or? Um, I mean, I definitely want to feel like I have uh, such a great roster right now that um, I'm really just laser focused on like growing the bands we have and into as big as as they can be. Um, you know, always open to opportunities, but it's yeah right now it it feels like we're uh we have a great a great book of business and we just you know focus on developing it mm -hmm. how would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger 
Um, that's a great question. I would say that, um, you know, getting older, it's just nice to have knowledge of, you know, I'm a much better now, manager now as uh, five years into managing mm. as I was the first year. So just learning, learning from mistakes. I mean, that's, people always ask me like, how do I get into management? You know, what is management, whatever. And I say, just find an artist and start managing them because, you know, making, making mistakes and learning from them is the best way to, to grow. So I hope that I'm a little, uh, a little sharper and more calculated now that I've been <laughs> doing it a few years. That answers the question. Yeah, and bridging from that, like, what would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Um, I guess one of probably the biggest challenges is just work-life balance. Mm -hmm. um, I think that with artist management, you know, there's so many great, awesome aspects of the job, but it, there can be times when you feel like you can't like disconnect you can't turn off um because you know there's just there's things that need to be done on a weekly basis on a monthly basis on a daily basis and sometimes i feel like if i if i just like don't look at my phone for two days uh, <laughs> everything will will blow up so <laughs> what would you say are your like top three advice for people who want to be managers Top three advice, uh, pieces of advice would be, one, um, just find a band, find an artist, and start managing them. I think that's absolutely the best way to, to learn the business. Um, two, try to find, you know, mentors that, that you respect, that you can ask questions to, um, including, I would also put in there to read the book, Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business by mm. Donald Passman. That I think is like should be the Bible for all artist managers. Um, you know, three would be just uh, be polite and nice to everybody, and don't and follow up. You know what I mean? Everyone in this business is busy and has a million things. So uh, if you don't ask, you'll never get an answer. You know, the worst thing someone can say to you is no and early in the early days with with all the clients it's like we were getting a ton of no's before people would support us so don't be a, don't be afraid of that last question what do you want to be remembered for um i guess i want to be remembered for helping kind of create culture and helping people um you know make great music and and make people happy i mean uh yeah that and just just being a good guy being yeah. a nice person yeah i love this, this is awesome thank you so much thank you <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>